right. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. All right. Now Facebook can hear me as well. Hi. How are you doing? Yeah, we're so we're so glad you're here, along with everybody in the building. For a second, I didn't have a microphone, so you could not hear me. Don't worry, I didn't say much. I did that purposely. Did not want to leave you out. <clears throat> so I'm glad everybody's here this morning. I'm, I'm absolutely blessed and honored to be here this morning before you. Um, I'm, I'm just so excited to see so many faces um, out here. And uh, my wife blessed me this morning with her testimony. Now I've got something to hold over her head. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm really joking. Seriously. <laughs> and I'm, uh, she said, my father will get you. And I'm almost positive that she is the favorite between the two of us. <clears throat> that might have something to do with the fact that she is like, uh, I, my wife, um, somebody said it so, so well one time to me. And it was the word they used said that my wife is very, uh, man, and now I can't think of the word, um, pure. Yeah, see, she knows. Um, she's very pure, and, and you, don't, you don't run across a lot of people out there today that are pure. I am definitely not one of them. And so you can kind of, you, you find these people, you find these people because these are the people who have to repent for using their cell phone while they're driving. You know, the rest of us are repenting for things that I won't even name. And, and they're simply like, oh my Jesus, forgive me for using my cell phone. And he's like, I think I can pardon that today. <laughs> I, tell, I tell you, another one of those people that I know, and I won't go off a list, but two, two more people I want to point out that I met like that. And, you know, when I run across them, you know, <laughs> I have to repent because I'm just like, oh, son of son of son of son of son of, you know. <laughs> it's, Heather's one of those people. And see, when her and my wife get together, I feel like they're taunting me <laughs> with their pureness, um, you know, and I'm just like, you know, son of son of son of, son of you know. But anyways... That, that's just a blessing. All I'm saying is it's encouraging. It's encouraging to see those people because those people, they can, they can kind of keep the rest of us in line. They, you know, they set the bar. And I believe that they're not setting the bar so that we can meet, meet you know, their standard. But I believe that they are striving after God and they've been graced with the ability to, to live the way that they do. And I commend them. I, I appreciate them because they are somebody that I look to to keep myself in line. So thank you, ladies. And there are others, believe me. I could go on a list of a few. And I'm sure some of you are like, well, I know one. You know what I mean? But I'm telling you, uh, those are just two that I named out. Those... Honestly, going into my message, those are the people that you want to be discipling people. You know what I mean? You know, so it's like, you know, hint, hint. I'm just joking. <laughs> we, we want to duplicate that. We want to recreate that. But anyways, uh, 
Uh, we're talking about discipleship, and, and uh, I'm glad to be back before you to continue this discussion or this dialogue, I guess it would be, um, of, of discipleship. Uh, last week, before we really jump in, last week, just to bring back to your remembrance, we, I gave you some characteristics. I gave you some characteristics of discipleship. And those characteristics of discipleship are listed as such. Uh, professing faith, possessing faith, and progressing faith. These are characteristics. When you see these things happening, um, you, are, you are looking at a disciple, okay? It's, these are characteristics of a disciple, not of discipleship, but characteristics of a disciple, so when you see these things in a person, you are probably looking at a potential or a, a specific disciple, right? Someone who is professing faith, someone who possesses faith, and someone who is progressing the faith. Um, and we discussed that. We went through that last week. And, and this week... This week, I, I'm going to talk more about discipleship as it is, um, or, or, or what does it look like, right? Discipleship, what does it look like if, you know, that, that would be the title for the day. Um, I'm going to real quick say a prayer because that blipping is driving me nuts. Lord God, I come into you right now, and I, I, I first I speak to whatever that electronic device is or whatever's causing that right now in the name of Jesus, and I pray, Father, that you would touch it wherever it is and stop it, or touch our people so that we can have a, a, a full knowledge of what it is and where it is so that we can stop it. Um, but I'm, I'm putting that in your hands so, God, I'm expecting that you are going to deal with that in whatever means you see fit. But I believe in the name of Jesus that it is not going to be a distraction uh, to your word coming forth today in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray right now that you would touch me and that you would fill me up with your Holy Spirit to overflowing, God, that I would speak your words, Lord God, completely blessed and holy through your Holy Spirit, and that there would be none of me but all of you. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you would help me to decrease, Holy Spirit, and that you would speak fully through me in the name of Jesus. Touch and, touch and bless everyone who is listening, their hearts, their ears, that they may receive the seeds that will be planted, the watering that will cause growth and, and fullness in their life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So we are going to be talking about discipleship and what it looks like. I want to start off by reading Matthew chapter 28 to you. Matthew chapter 28, if you don't uh, have it up already, which you wouldn't because I just told you, um, you want to pull that up in your electronic devices. Um, I will be in the New Living Translation. Um, and yes, that should be the one that I have up there. Uh, I'll be in the New Living Translation, Matthew chapter 28. And it'll be verses 18 through 20. I'm going to give you one second to get that, 18 through 20. If you have the notes, 
uh, you're still going to have to look it up because I did not put, I did not pull all the scripture up in the notes this time. It was so much of it, and I was like, they will have pages upon pages of notes if I did that. So, you will have to grab your Bibles or your electronic devices and pull that up. Without further ado, let's go ahead and read the Word of God. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. There is a little cleft note that says, all people, right? When it says all the nations, that means all people. So there is no one left off the list for whom should be made or developed into a disciple. It continues, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So, this is what a disciple looks like. This is what discipleship is supposed to look like. Going throughout all the nations, making more disciples baptizing them and teaching them all of Christ's ways. Over the last few weeks that I've come before you talking about discipleship or being a disciple, um, I've said to you that it's a noun and a verb. When you see the word disciple, it's a noun and a verb. So it is, it is a person and it is also something that we are expected to be doing. I've said to you that when you give your life to Christ, when you turn over, submit your life to Christ, you are expected to be doing something. And that something is, if nothing else, making disciples at, at ground level, right? But then there's so much more that can be done and should be done, but I won't go into that. But hopefully you're doing some of these other things if you are going to be discipling, because that leads me to the next point, which I had said to you a few weeks ago, that uh, there are stages in becoming a disciple or doing discipleship. You know, we don't just give our lives to the Lord and jump out there and start discipling. Uh, some of us would love to do that, but in some situations, that's just not the smartest thing to do. And it's not necessarily just uh, for everybody who you are trying to disciple, but sometimes that's, that's good for you, right? Because the enemy will use an opportunity when you feel like you're doing great to show you that you are horrible. And that's the worst time to realize that you're horrible when you think you're doing great. <clears throat> so if we go into this, and this is my desire, if we go into this understanding that there are kind of levels to this thing, then we will go in on ground level with the expectation of 
what it is we should be doing. Ground level, right? Last week I told you, or the last week I was before you, I said we need to begin first by professing our faith. Then I said we would go on to uh, possessing our faith. Professing our faith, faith is I love Jesus Christ and I believe all that the word says about him. Okay, possessing our faith is I not only believe it because the word of God says it in general and for everyone else, but I believe it for me in my life. And I believe all that he says that I can do. Right. So it's more personal. And then once you get past that, there's the, the step where I'm going to now progress it. So now I'm going to spread this faith. I'm going to tell someone and I'm going to tell them, hey, you can do the same thing. You can have the same expectation. Right. And so with these levels, there are different things that we're doing. OK, and, and it's OK if you and me understand that or understand where we are in, in the scheme of things and not to think less of ourselves or anyone else on where they're at in the scheme of things. But, but we have to be honest with ourselves. Really take a step back and be honest with yourself. This teaching to me, it seems simple. But to somebody else, it may not seem as simple. And that's okay. Somebody out there is, is, is shoving this into their bodies, into their minds, as if it's a piece of steak, right? Oh, man, this is the good stuff. And somebody else out there is like, well, this is milk to me. And that's okay. Why am I harping on the fact that this is okay? Because... My desire is to encourage you. It is to challenge you to begin, to start, and not to be afraid to do so. Realize where you're at and then look toward, look to move forward. Look to do something more. I do not want you to leave this place after today, because I'm, I'm wrapping this up, I do not want you to leave this place today and not have a mindset to begin discipling someone if you're not. If you are discipling one, then I am hoping that after leaving here today, you are going, I'm going to encourage you to disciple more. What? Well, what do you mean, Pastor Dwayne? Well, if you didn't know, you're going to learn today that Jesus discipled at least 12 at some point in time, okay? At least 12 at some point in time, not to mention the crowds and so on and so forth. And, and in actuality, if you recall, the, the stages that I'm talking about, those stages actually come and happen in the reverse of what you would think, right? When you're professing faith, everybody is comfortable with saying they know Jesus. Look around the world, you know. They're like, <laughs> I'm going to touch a line real quick, okay? <laughs> it's because I want to and I can't. <clears throat> I have the mic. So, you know, you get, how many of you know the artists, you know, the awards ceremonies? I always love this. You know, you have the artists who just absolutely 100% 
says everything outside of what God would encourage you to say. And then they get up there and they go, I just want to thank God. Okay, I'm not knocking that because they should. They should, right? But I just be like, man, that's so funny. Am I to think that you are a follower of Christ? Now, notice I didn't say, am I to think you are a Christian? Because, I, you know, it's so cliche. Are you a Christian? You know what I'm saying? No, 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 no. Am I to think that you are a follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ? Or are you just acknowledging that God exists? To which case, if you acknowledge that God exists, but you won't, that's a whole nother message. I just, I just get something in me just be like tweaking, like, eh, 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 you know. And I, then I have to think about Pastor Jeff's message last night about my anger and frustration. I mess around and go, go smack a rock when I was just supposed to speak to it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it, we have to understand where we stand and where others stand in this situation. So I want to, I want to, point out some categories of discipleship. Three categories of discipleship. Now, if you have your notes, this is where it's going to begin to kick in if you want to fill in those places. Do, don't, don't you cheat. There's possibility for cheating out there, and I don't want none of that. Three categories of discipleship. Number one, person-focused discipleship. Number two, content focused discipleship and number three task focused discipleship let's look first at person focused discipleship I have to tell you that I really get excited about this pastor Jeff he comes he's like bro I can tell you really believe this I, I love it like I really do I love it because it's an opportunity for I feel for me to be for me to be who I am. I'm a very personable type of guy. I, I love to go one-on-one. -on -one. I struggle with, you know, touching and going. And I, I understand that if I could get both things down packed, I would be a more full and complete pastor. And so you pray for me for that because I want to do both. I want to be able to touch and, and love and then go, but then I also want to be able to sit down and have fellowship and talk and everything. But person-focused discipleship. This is investing resources in a person. What resources? Time, money, caring prayer, focused prayer, right? Um, attention. When you are dealing with someone one-on-one, -on -one, or if you're dealing with multiple people, obviously you're dealing with multiple people, it becomes more difficult, right? Because there's more of a pull on you. But when you're dealing with one person, hopefully it's not as difficult to deal with one person because you're going to be giving up your time. You're going to, the, the investment that you're making, which again, really speaks to Pastor Jeff's sermon last week that we need to be willing to make an investment, right? And that investment starts right here with discipleship or being a disciple. 
I mean, it can happen in other areas of your life, uh, life, obviously, as Pastor Jeff pointed out. But this is one of those areas. If you didn't watch his message on Facebook or here, please go back. It's there. You can watch it so that you can begin to tie these things together. God is doing a thing. I just want to take a second. God is doing a thing. And I want you to know that what God is doing is he's speaking to you. He's speaking to you through two voices. And, and, and as much as me and Pastor Jeff come together to ensure that we're going the right direction, we don't always sit down and plan out what we're going to say to the congregation and to the people uh, every week. So the fact, listen to me here, and there's purpose in I'm saying this to you, the fact that he's speaking to you about making investments and I'm talking to you about discipleship that should let you know that God means for us to be doing something very specific. Okay? He wants us to understand that this is important and it's an investment. So when you're doing it and you're like, man, I don't have time. You don't have time to make an investment. you might want to rethink that because it's important to God. So investing resources in a person. Let's look, if you will, with me at Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, and then 33 through 55. If you want to go find your Bibles, if you're online or here, get your electronic devices. It will be up behind me. I'm going to move forward. In Mark chapter 3, verse 13 uh, through 15, it says this. Afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him. And they came to him. Then he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. They were to accompany him. And he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. Jesus replied, who is my mother? I'm sorry, this is the 33 through 55. So before I move on to that, I apologize. I did not put a nice little space in there. So this first part, sometimes in church, you know, we get frustrated again Understand that I'm trying to speak to you. I'm trying to teach you something. I want to speak to some things that you might not have openly, verbally said anything about. But in your mind, you may have thought about this. And you're frustrated and you're angry. Right here in this scripture you see that it says, then it says, Jesus went up on a mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him. So he pulled out a select few. Jesus was showing favoritism. Understand, I, I, I use the word favoritism not because this is what it really is, but it's the word that we would use. We wouldn't speak it out loud because we wouldn't want to seem a certain kind of way, right? 
I don't want to, I'm not that guy. I mean, you know, you do whatever you want to, you know what I'm saying? Like, whatever. But then, like, you're talking to somebody else, and you're like, I wouldn't say this to nobody else, and that's fine. That's fine. That's good. You know, you got people you can talk to. Um, I wouldn't say this to nobody else, but, you know, Pastor Jeff shows favoritism. Pastor Wayne shows favoritism to so-and-so and so-and-so. Well, Jesus did too. And I, I, I know that I can speak for Pastor Jeff. We prayerfully would never do this without purpose. Well, what purpose could there be to show favoritism? Well, because if we're going to disciple people and there are levels to that disciple, right? There are levels to that disciple. Oh, not levels so much as characteristics that shine through. And some people don't have all of the characteristics needed, and some have advanced to have those characteristics. And you have to understand that we're, we're dealing with words, and I'm very careful with words. I had somebody point that out to me the other day, and I am because I know that when I'm talking to people, they hear one thing if I'm saying something completely different, such as, you know, advancing. Oh, I'm moving up. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not moving up. You know, so you're playing a video game and you're advancing. You're sitting in the thing. Your game is moving forward. Do you, you feel what I'm saying? I know that's simple, but it, it is what it is. So if you are advancing, that may just mean that you are, are growing. You're maturing. You're, you're understanding things a little better. So if that's the case, then I may pull one person like Jesus pulled one person or he's is once and there was a select few that he pulled up onto the mountain to to begin to share with them a very transparent moment how do i know that it's transparent because if you were to read further into that scripture which i'm not going to pull it up there but at the end of it he says now do not tell every do not go and tell anybody what you just seen i love this I love this because the enemy tries to get us trapped up and wrapped up and stuck in a place where we're like, I just don't understand. I just don't understand. It's just not fair. Listen to me. That's the enemy talking. The enemy's telling you that somebody thinks that you're not good enough. There's nobody that thinks that you're not good enough. With exception of you. Because he told you that. But Jesus already told you something completely different. As the song said. Jesus has called you a royal priesthood. Nobody repeats that over and over. <laughs> hey, hey, how you doing? What's going on? Yeah, I'm a, a royal priesthood. <laughs> no, no worries. Uh -huh, thank you. No, no, no. You know what I'm saying? You're not in those conversations. You're not in those conversations like, so, I won't tell everybody this, but Jesus loves me, and he calls me his friend. <laughs> I know, I know. Like, that's not what we're doing. We're typically like, uh, right? Why? Because that's what the enemy wants. That gets us wrapped up and stuck. So I'm trying to get you unstuck. And I want you to be with, have a complete understanding that this happens. 
and it happens with purpose. You may be selected. It's okay for you to select as long as you have the right intention in mind, the right purpose. Check your motives. Why are you pulling off? Why are you getting selective? Why are you showing favoritism? Is there purpose? Is there something going on or are you trying to create a for and no more? There is, a, there is a difference. I am talking to you about discipleship. I am talking to you about being a disciple. This we are supposed to do and it looks a certain way. You continue on into 33 through 35, and it says this. Well, wait a second, Pastor Dwayne. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, so I'm allowed to pull out certain people. So the assumption is those certain people are going to be people closest to you. Pastor Jeff, you know, he's got the Burke. Voorhees family, you know, Bright family, you know, they got the, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm, I'm going to touch something right here. Is it okay, sir? Thank you. See, my family's not old enough yet, and one day I will, I will touch this. But see, here's the thing. Jeff is pulling in, and he's discipling and pouring into his family. And they're stepping up and becoming leaders in the church. And then... I wouldn't say this to anybody else. Uh-oh, I knew that was going to happen. There's a little water. I wouldn't say that to anybody else, but listen. I mean, you know, Ryan, Candace, you know, like these guys, they get all the good jobs. They get, all the, they get all the good jobs. I mean, Ryan gets, he's, he's everywhere doing everything. I want to do that first. Pause. Yes. Thank you. No, no, you, let's go. Let's go. This is why I love that guy. You better help me preach. You better help me preach. I think you, if, if, you're, if you didn't hear that on Facebook, which I'm sure you probably should have, but yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Listen to me. Okay? There is purpose. There is purpose. I'm not going to harp, but here's the situation. He was called to do something. He is discipling people. And he is not perfect, but I can bet money that he is he's with everything in him attempting to do it with purpose. So what you have to understand is these are people who he's been pouring into for years. They're, they're running. They're running right there with him. Why would you not, as you're discipling these people, say, come with me up onto the mountain? And when they got there, when they got there in, in Mark Chapter 3, like 16 or 17, it says that he, he, he poured, he, he, he blessed them. He, he 
gave them other things. Well, no, this is the wrong one. It's later. I'll share it with you. I apologize. It's one of the other ones. I'm getting it confused because he took another group. He took another group up onto a mountain and, and said something very similar. But you'll get, I'll get there. So you've got his family and they're doing a work. I'm jumping ahead of myself. You've got his family and they're doing a work and some people are questioning. But this is what I bet any amount of money. This is what I bet that Jeff is saying this. And why do I know he's saying this? Because Jeff is trying to emulate himself after Jesus Christ. That's his goal. So this would be his remark, just like Jesus. Jesus replied, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Now, why is he doing this? Because some of the disciples are like, sir, we're having a special moment. Your family's outside, right? He's brought them into a place. He's discipling. He's doing his thing. And they said, sir, teacher, rabbi, your family's outside. And he says, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. So is it going to be the person who's right there close to you? No, not all the time. But is it? Could it be? Absolutely. Why? Because what determines that? Who is doing the work of my father? Who is doing my father's will? So when somebody asks you, well, why don't you have so-and-so in there? Well, when's the last time you've seen them? Now, I know you're like, well, that's just cold-hearted, Dwayne. No. You ask me a question, I have to give you an answer. Right? Jesus said, who are they? Except for the people who are doing the work of my father. Then you go on to Mark 9. Go with me to Mark chapter 9, verse 2. This is the transfiguration, right? This is the other spot. And he says, six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. Okay, pause. So just to correct, the first one was the one where he told them, <laughs> I'm going to bless you so that you could go out and heal people and sick, whatever. I read it, right? This one is the one where he was about to do something that was nobody had seen. He came as the son of man, but we all know he was the son of God. But they did not have a clear perception of that. They didn't have a clear understanding of that. And only right here in this moment were they about to see something that nobody else had seen. And he called up one, two, three people out of 12, out of the whole crowd that had been following him around. See how I did that? Three, 12, a whole crowd. We started with the crowd, went down to the 12. Now we're down to three. And eventually it goes down to one. And you know what? I'm just going to jump ahead of myself real quick. And John, and John, John goes, or no, not John. Somebody said something about John. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Peter. Peter goes, oh, he's the loved one. <laughs> 
And Jesus said, what is it to you? Come on. Do you see what I'm trying to say to you here? This is discipleship. Do not get it twisted because what I'm teaching you is I'm teaching you how to be a disciple and and discipleship. And being a disciple sometimes means only taking one. Maybe two, maybe three, maybe 12. Whatever God leads you to do, that's what it is. Right now I'm preaching to all of you guys. Last week I had about seven to eight people at my house. Guess what? I had nothing to do with who came. What do you mean, Pastor Wayne? I had nothing to do. And I did that on purpose because I said, hey, do me a favor, send out a message and invite. Who came is who came. Right? And I'm going to tell you, if you didn't get the message, that's not my fault. I'm going to take it one step further. I'm going to take it one step further. Because of the fact that I prayed about this, and I asked somebody to do it, and only certain people showed up, I say God did something with purpose. Maturity says, and maturity understands that when you say a prayer, no matter what the prayer is, there's an expectation that God's going to move and work. And if it lands the way it lands, then it was the way it was supposed to be. I'm not upset because certain people that got the message didn't show up, and you're not upset because you didn't get the message. Oh, I'm pushing now. I'm pushing now. Listen to me. It says, six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, and he led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed. Why would he not share this with everyone? That's unfair. Why only do these men get to see Jesus turn into something amazing? Why is it that only certain people get to sit across from the desk as Pastor Jeff begins to share nuggets of wisdom and principles? It's just not fair. Let's look at these gentlemen again, shall we? Peter, James, and John. If you don't know some of the things that these men had to endure, then you won't understand why it was that they got to be there with Jesus. Stick with me. We're going somewhere. Sometimes you're going to have to pull away. Sometimes you're going to have to pull away and select a few. You want to look at some more places where you see the person-focused discipleship, where there's time spent, there's focus. You can go to 2 Timothy, and in the first two chapters, it's Paul speaking to Timothy, writing letters to Timothy, going into... uh, Oh, okay. <laughs> Stop. We were doing good, Jesus. I rebuke you, enemy. Okay, so 
you will see, you will see Paul taking time. You will see Paul doing this, this, this person-focused discipleship. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. It's, it's, an, it's encouragement to be faithful. He says to Timothy, hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me. A pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. This is Paul who has singled out Timothy. And by the way, Timothy was not very old. In the same scripture, he says to Timothy, do not let people look down on you because of your age. So what does that tell me? It's not how old you are. It's not how old you are, whether you can uh, be discipled or to be a disciple. So do not let young people your age say whether or not you could disciple. Let me, let me tell you something. When I was in my mid-20s, early to mid-20s, I found myself discipling somebody who was 10 years older than me, who was way smarter than I was. And I asked, what the heck is going on? And it was them who helped me realize, because watch this, what was happening was there was kind of an iron sharpening iron situation going on. And while they were teaching me one thing, I was discipling them on another. Is that possible? Yes. Yes, it is. So do not let your age be the factor. In 2 Timothy, going forward, go ahead and pull up uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 1. But before I go in, the next point that we're going to move on to is content-focused discipleship. content Focused discipleship. Sometimes I sit down with people, and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I send people information. Do a quick little plug, not because I'm getting paid for it, although I think they should since we're on Facebook. I'm just joking. There is a free service, and it's called Hoopla. If you are a learner, if you're not, get Hoopla. It's basically having a digital library. You can go in and you can check out books, digital books, okay? And a lot of books that you think, man, I just, I can't pay for that, they're there. Man, I don't have time to stop by a library, that's fine. Man, I hate reading. That's fine, too, because they have them in audio. Okay? So, sometimes, matter of fact, not sometimes, every time I'm discipling somebody, anytime I run into a situation where I'm trying to pour into somebody, whether it be leadership or, you know, just pastoring or, you know, whatever it may be, mentoring, any of that. Oh, by the way, mentoring is not discipleship, and discipleship is not mentoring. It's just a side note. Not the same thing. Not the same thing. Anyways, 
Whatever I'm doing, I always say, hey, listen, what you need to get is, help me out. Hoopla. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Somebody out there was listening. So you want to get hoopla. I tell the people that I'm pouring into this. Why? Because this is information. This is content that I know whatever I've read and I want them to read, they can have access to. And maybe, maybe that's not the case. When I first came here, Pastor Jeff said, if you're going to be walking alongside of me, you need to read something first. <laughs> he didn't say that. He didn't say that. But he did share something with me. He shared a very specific book with me. And when I read it, I thought to myself, if I'm going to be walking alongside this man, I should need, definitely need to read this. It was foundational. It was wonderful. This is what it means to do content-focused discipleship, sharing meaningful, informational, and developmental content. You want to see these people grow. So you need to share them, share with them the things that helped you to grow and to develop. So what? Are you expected to stockpile information? Yes. I tell everybody that I talk to and mentor or disciple, whatever you want to call it, you know, or whatever category it is, I tell them you should get a notebook. And, you know, when I was growing up, or younger, and I heard pastors stand in the pulpit and say things like this, I used to be like, no! I got no books for school. I am not. This is church. I'm not taking notes. And then the older I got, and the more I move forward, I begin to realize, you're an idiot. Because that really awesome nugget that you got a year ago sure would be helpful right now. And you don't even know where it was. And how hard is it to grab a notebook, your phone or whatever, make a note and put it in there? And now, man, my iCloud is forever telling me you're running out of space because I'm constantly taking a note for everything. I'm reading a book. Oh, that's a good nugget. I think of a message. That's a good message. Somebody tells me something that's worth remembering. I keep it. And then later when I need it, I have it, whether it's for me or whether it's for an individual that I need to pour into. Content that is going to help them grow. Pastor Dwayne, I don't, I don't know. Is this in the Bible? Again, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, it says, Timothy, my dear son. This is the way it starts out. And I'm going to tell you right now, what this is, is a letter. A letter, which would be covered by the first category. Right? Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard... Listen, you have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now, teach these truths to others, trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Sharing meaningful, informational, developmental content. 2 Timothy, just go down, chapter, 
chapter 2, go down to verse 11. This is a worthy, trustworthy saying. If we die, watch this, hold on, I need you to hear something. Stop, stop, stop. Paint a picture for you. I have a feeling my wife is laughing at me because I said that three times. Am I right? I have a thing. I don't know what it is. It's a side note. Sorry. If you ever sit down with me, you'll notice it. If you didn't before, you will now. Okay, so (laughs) listen to me. Paul is writing a letter, a personal letter to Timothy to minister to him, to disciple him. Okay? Picture this. He says, this is a trustworthy saying. So listen, this is where you might want to grab your pencil if you want to and write this down. This is what he said. Pastor Jeff says that, right? This is what he said to Timothy. And Timothy grabbed his pencil and he got ready. He said, if we die with him, we will also live with him. Timothy's like, that's deep. If we die with him, we will also live with him. Okay, sir. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. Ooh, if we, okay. Okay, go on, sir. Go on, I got that. If we deny him, he will deny us. I don't want to forget that. I don't want to forget that. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. Hmm. If, hold on, hold on. What'd you say? You said if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful? Is that, okay, okay. For he cannot deny who he is. Oh. That's, that's good. That's good. So he takes, writes it down, puts it in the book. You know what I mean? And then he remembers later down the road, he remembers when it's years later, he remembers Paul says, now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Let's go. That's good. This is what is expected of us. Sharing meaningful, informational, and developmental content. Where does the content come from? I remember I used to listen to people preach, and I'm like, man, that's so powerful. Man, one day I'm going to be able to speak. Like one day I'm going to write books and everything like that. And as I got older, I began to wonder where all of this information was going to come from. Because I'm just not that smart. And I was like, okay, God, you want me to disciple, but uh, (laughs) I'm going to need some of that good stuff, you know. I'm going to need some of that meaningful, informational, developmental content because I don't think I have any of that. But then is that true? No, it's not true. We have access to the ultimate manual, the ultimate training manual, the ultimate, we have access to the book, the word of God. And that is where it all starts. Man, a great man, Dr. Miles Monroe. I love listening to that man. He was amazing. 
he somehow figured out how to take the word of God, turn it into something he could go into a corporate business and speak to these people. Hold on. Preach to these people and they had no idea that he was preaching to them because all they heard was that he was teaching, teaching them. And I'm sitting there like, well, don't they know that's, that's Romans? Don't they know that's 2 Timothy? God was preaching, right? And God said, Dwayne, you got the same resource that he's pulling from. And that's when I, I, I got hip and I was like, okay. So let's continue to number three. And this is where we're going to wrap it up. I know I'll, I'll put, put some time before you today, but I wanted to make sure I close this out well. Chapter three is task-focused discipleship. We've went through person-focused. Now, these are all tied in together, right? Person-focused, content-focused, now task-focused discipleship. Challenging the person to take action. Now you've, you've spent time with them. You've invested in them. Money, focused prayer, right? That occasional lunch, breakfast, or dinner, or maybe even just a soda, sitting around talking about whatever. You've shared with them the things that have brought you to new levels and deeper depths. You've given them the content, whether it's in printed out form, book form, audio versions. Shoot, I recently did a voice message, uh, did a voice recording. Didn't even, I, I didn't even realize what I was doing. I was doing it just because I didn't want to forget. God was speaking to me and I was like, oh, let me get this down. Okay, what you want to do is you want to do this, 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 and it's how you want to respond. It's what you want to do and blah, blah, blah. And then I end up having a meeting with somebody and they're like, okay, I really want to know. And I was like, you know, I'm going to send it to you. There you go. Go listen to that, chew on it, and we can meet together and we'll just talk over that. I'm like, let's go, right? But then we get to the task-focused discipleship. We're sitting there. I've given him all this information. We've spent time together, and now it's time for me to challenge the person to take action. Let's look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave, wait, stop. Jesus called his 12 together. And he gave them authority. To cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Something just hit me. I've heard so many people, myself included. <laughs> oh, man, he's... They're like, Pastor Dwayne, or just Dwayne, depending on who I'm talking to, I hope, uh, this person, I hope they're listening. I really do. I hope they listen to it later. They came to me and they were like, 
<laughs> but Jesus said that we would do greater things. He says in his word, he says, and you will do greater things than these. <laughs> and all of our minds go to what? Healing the sick, casting out demons, and all of that good stuff. Yes, let's go. What about discipling? He got to disciple 12 people. He was only here for three years. I'm 40 years old. How many people have I discipled? Have I done greater things than these? What is your expectation? What are you looking for? Where are you starting at? I got saved. Hallelujah. You need healing? Let me pray for you. And I'm not saying that you can't, but why are we so quick to go from here all the way to here with no expectation of hitting any of this in between? And then ask, I thought I was supposed to do greater. You, you could have, you could have had, I mean, you do the math. I don't know how old you are. In three years, he had 12. He started at 30. I'm 40. I should at least be at 24. I mean, if, if we're going to do it that way. He wasn't able to start until 30. I started at 27. My first opportunity, wait, watch, watch this. I'm really about to blow your mind. My first opportunity to stand on a stage in front of a group of people was 27. Then that puts me back a few more years. That puts me back an additional three more years. So now we're multiplying, right? If he had 12, I should have way more than 24. But it was 16 years old that I had a complete understanding of who, was Jesus, who Jesus was to me. It was 16 years old where my, 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 it's time for you to begin to think about discipleship. Because now you are a disciple. It was in that moment when it started. So now, 16 years old, how many people should I be? Because that's when ministry really starts, right? When you give your life to God and you understand, you understand that you should be discipling. It's in that moment that you should be discipling or be a disciple or you should be doing discipleship. You should be a disciple and then be working on discipleship to who? All people. So you young folk, I know you were having a discussion with JJ this past week 
maybe the week before. And I loved the discussion because, because the discussion was is we should be sharing our faith. I'm scared. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not da-da-da-da-da-da. And I know JJ probably shared with you that Timothy was young too. And you don't look down on your age, but you start right there where you are. With simply saying, you know what? I know you're scared and confused and you don't really understand. I've been there before, but what helps me is knowing that I have Jesus Christ in my life. Well, wait a second. Maybe I'm a little bit older. I'm 20 something, right? I'm 20 something and I definitely don't know what I'm doing in life because that's, that's kind of typical, you know, them twenties, you just like wandering around because you thought you knew it all, right? 16 to 20, you're like, I know everything. Then you hit 20 and it was like, oh my gosh, I know nothing. I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. So then you're sitting there and you're talking to your friends. You're like, what are you going to do? Well, I don't know what I'm going to do. You going to college? I don't know. I don't really want to go. I don't really like it. I don't. Right? You know what? You know what I've forgotten about now that I'm in my 20s and I'm running like crazy, but don't really know where I'm running to. You know what I forgot? Jesus. Jesus gives me stability. He, he grounds me. He, he, he brings everything into focus. Maybe that's what we're missing. You know what? Why don't we begin to study together? Why don't we begin to, you know, get closer to God together and see if some clarity and vision don't come into our lives? Hmm. Or maybe you advance a little bit further. You know, you in them 30s and you like, I'm an adult now. We got bills and kids. I, I know what I want, but I don't know how I'm going to get there with all of this going on. And the energy took a nosedive. It's not gone, but definitely just don't have the motivation I used to. I, I just don't know how to do this. Right? And it's okay because it's like disciple, discipleship. So maybe you get hooked up with somebody and they're like, hey, look, don't worry about it. This is the way I did it. How to parent, how to stay focused, how to raise a family. The Bible says about all these different situations. And you're like, okay. And then you push into 40, right? I'm right there at the door. And you're like, <laughs> this is where I'm at, okay? You're like, all right, I done went through a lot of stuff. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. There's no doubt in my mind. I got content, I got material, I got all of that. So I need to start sharing. Who am I going to share with? Right? And you're confident about it at this age. For me, I'm confident about it. No doubt, no problems. And so you're ready. You step out there. Who wants it? <laughs> and nobody's standing there. <laughs> you're like, come to the house and I'll feed you. 
<laughs> if you'll listen to me. Or you hijack the church into Facebook and you do it that way. Um, <laughs> I can't speak to 50, 60, and, and on and so forth. But this is what I believe. This is what I believe. You just become, if, if you're seeking and searching after God, you, you, you begin to know more. You get deeper in depth. And if you understand that, then you understand that you've been like this for your whole life. You begin to slow down. And you might need to turn around and begin pulling up the people behind you. Because at this point, it's not that you're not still going forward. It's not that you're not still going forward, right? But it's time for you to, right? It's time for you to go put a hand back. It's time for you to really make sure that this is your absolute 100% focus. And it doesn't take until 40 and 60 and all that jazz. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that this is the way it kind of worked for me. I understood but the truth is, this is what I'm really saying, is that had I have understood this and got this at 16 and 17, where could I be now? What, what could I have done now? I'm not worked up and angry about that. But what I'm really trying to tell you is the same things that I've read and heard and got at this age I read a lot of those same things. The only difference between me now and me then is the experience, the understanding. Well, Pastor Wayne, how am I supposed to get that unless I live it? Somebody lived it already. Somebody lived it already. It's just for you to sit Listen and become a disciple or be discipled because the quicker you move at being a disciple or disciple being discipled, the quicker you move at that, the sooner you can disciple effectively. Right now, if you didn't know anything about discipling, I just took you from here all the way to here in a matter of three settings. Three settings, and the topic was only discipleship. If you sat down with Miss Kim because you, you, you don't got the parenting thing figured out, she's lived some years, okay? So if you're 25 and you got a kid and you're like, I don't know what to do, Miss Kim can pour everything she knows about parenting into you in a, in a week or two weeks or three months or whatever the case is. And if you absorb that junk, you have just become an expert at parenting. <laughs> She's like, Pastor Dwayne, I'm going to throat chop you later. <laughs> and then it's just a matter of applying, applying what you've learned. But guess what? Applying it may be difficult, but it is definitely not difficult to take what she told you and pass it on to somebody else. Oh yeah. Yeah. See, discipleship, according to what Paul did, anybody, did anybody catch that? Because I said it twice. 
He said, this is what I'm teaching you. This is a trustworthy component. Please now pass it on to others who are trustworthy as well. Listen to me, folks. I'm going to close here. I'm done. I'm it. But I do want to give the opportunity for you to pray, to seek God for where you're at, where you should be, and how you should be moving forward. So let's bow our heads and pray. Lord God, you have given us so much today and over the last few weeks about investing and then discussing discipleship and being a disciple and being discipled. It's a lot to take in, God. It's a simple concept, but God, it's asking a lot. And I just pray for everybody under the sound of my voice that they would take this in and they would ask you that they would ask you to make this relevant in their life, that, they, that you would give them a complete understanding and help them to make it applicable in their life, to apply it to their life. If you're out there right now and, and you know you struggle with being a disciple or you struggle with being discipled, or you struggle with the concept of this whole disciple thing because you just don't think it's quite fair. Would you right now just, you, you can raise your hand or you don't have to raise your hand, but will you right now make a connection with God in your own words and, and ask him, God, clear this up for me. God, make this plain for me. Give me the courage. Give me the words. Give me the content. Give me the time. Give me the mind to, to give focused prayer to another individual. Maybe you're like me and you feel like you've got everything to pour out, but nobody's standing there to be poured into. Lord God, you show me, show us who it is we are supposed to pour into. Let that be your prayer. God, show me who to pour into. If, if you're young and you hear me praying right now, let this be your prayer. Lord, show me who I can pour into with confidence. Show me who I can pour into with confidence. God, we at the body Dayton, we desire to fulfill the Great Commission. It is part of who we are as the body of Christ to be your hands and your feet, to go throughout the nations, baptizing, in making disciples. God, help us to do that. Help us to be about the Father's business. God, let us not be concerned with 
what our mothers and brothers and sisters are doing in the church or outside the church, but let us be concerned with being about the Father's business because God, I know that if we do that, the mothers and the brothers and the sisters and the friends and, and the associates and the, 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 the employees and all of that will be completely and absolutely affected and infected by you and your word if we are doing what we are supposed to do. Lord God, have your way. In the name of Jesus, I pray. If there's anybody here that just doesn't know Christ and you want to know Christ for the first time, please raise your hand because I want to speak with you and talk to you and encourage you personally. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to say a prayer for anybody that might be here or in, on Facebook. Lord God, I pray for those individuals who haven't even made it to the step of being a disciple. God, I pray that you would minister to them, meet them where they are. And I pray that they would make a conscience decision to follow you, to be a disciple, that they would submit their lives to you, repent, turn away from their ways that don't line up with you and run into your arms being completely transformed ready to move forward and to do the work of the ministry the work of our father in the name of Jesus I pray amen um, if there's anybody here that has any questions about anything that I've taught my door is wide open Pastor Jeff's door is wide open and we are ready and willing to pour into you, all right? So we love you. Thank you all for joining us. God bless you.